I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to My Millennial Property. I'm John Pigeon, and I'm joined by Emily Wallace, the buying coach. How are you, Emily? I am very well indeed. We were just discussing the uh, temperature difference. I went for a walk with a bean this morning. You've been out for a swim in an outdoor pool. Yes, 20 degrees here. Beautiful, sunny day. What is it down there? Top of five? You know what's actually top of 20, but it feels like it's about seven degrees at the moment. So, yes. Yeah. Anyway. Also find there's a different, big difference between feels like and actual. Yeah. Good old the, the BOM app, Bureau of Meteorology yeah. app tells you yeah. that. Love it. What do we got today? We have got answering the people. We yeah. love the fact that, do you know what? People actually listen to what we say on this podcast. It's hilarious. Like I said to people, send us your auction results and people have Instagrammed me. I love it. People have sent Hello. in questions and people have listened because... Um, Jess, our community manager, has compiled a number of questions that have come from the people and we are here to serve you and answer your questions as best as we can. So we've got quite a few. We'll get through as many as we can in the time that we have. Um, And it's going to be a broad range of topics that we cover by nature, having these questions. So let's kick off with one that is very common because I think a lot of people in our community do this. They buy their first home and then they flip it to an investment property once they've lived in it for a certain period of time. So Jed Dumble asks, what steps have to be taken when turning a a primary place of residence into a rental property? Mm, It's a good and common question, as as you said. Uh, I think it's even more relevant given last year's home uh, first homeowner grants isn't it so let's let's live in it take advantage of it and pay no stamp duty even get a few government grants along the way and in 12 months time I'm going to to rent it out so yeah look I'll kick off with that if you want the first thing I would um, I would do is advise your accountant that that's going to happen um, from a tax point of view things change a lot it goes from a non-income producing asset to an income producing asset. So advise your accountant. And you may also want to get a valuation. Um, if you've bought the property for 500 grand, it might be worth 530 grand. Now, if you've lived in it, that's, uh, that's awesome. Usually that's capital gains tax uh, exempt or free. Um, so you just want to put a line in the sand when you move out as to what that valuation is. So they're, they're the first two things that I would be doing. Uh, what would you do, Emily? Well, definitely those two steps are key. And then I think it's you're now turning your mindset from homeowner to investor, aren't you? Because particularly if it's your first home and now you're flipping it to a rental, you may well be uh, flipping back into a rent vester situation where you're now renting your next property and you're having someone else rent out um, your first home. So the one of the biggest things that I would be doing uh, is looking for a great property manager. 
Um, now, we've done an episode previously on having a property manager versus managing your own investment, pros and cons of both. Feel free to go back and check that episode out. But I would say, yeah, investing in a good property manager because the success of your rental property will likely come down to the quality of the tenant that you have because we all know if we don't have a great tenant and they're missing payments or they're destructive to the property, that's going to cost us a lot in the long run. Is indeed, yeah, that's that's a really good one. And we always say um, it's not a bad tenant as such, it's a bad landlord making a bad choice to choose a bad property manager who then chooses a bad tenant. Is um, Yeah, the, the buck stops with you, doesn't it? Correct. And I do think, and look, I've been guilty of this myself, I must say, when I was appointing a property manager, was trying to nail them down on fees. Like I did do that. And I was, you know, worried about the fees. And I was like, hang on, I know this person's good. I've seen their track record. They're worth what you pay them. Um, And yeah, don't be that person. I know, I mean, yeah, I'm guilty of it. It's easy to do and be caught up on fees, but actually ultimately it was the best decision to make and it's money well invested. Even if it feels like it's a cost up front, it's actually not. Yeah, that's right. And, and just to sit there for a minute, um, Rate My Agent is a good website, isn't it, to, to look for agents to buy and sell in the area, but also for property management. So that, that's a, a, a non-biased approach or ranking system on, on that website. But um, I think I saw it in the Facebook page, which is unusual because I don't go in there much, but um, uh, someone actually mentioned about the fees and the percentages and how it may have been different in a regional area, the, the percentages were much higher. Um, but taking into account that the rent per week is a, a lot lower than a city centre. So it's all relative to um, what, what's coming in on a, on a weekly basis, isn't it? Most definitely. And property traditionally is such a percentage-based industry, right? We operate a lot of things on percent, but there actually are a few new providers coming out that are doing a fixed fee model um, for a certain property values for the uh, rental return. They've obviously worked out their average fee and they've just blanket ruled that. So it obviously is financially viable at a certain price point. But yeah, certainly looking into the fee structures, what you actually, you know, what the property manager will cover off. And most importantly, make sure you screen tenants to ensure that you're going to um, be able to have someone who's paying on time in stable jobs and uh, yeah, you don't want to have to be covering too much of that mortgage whilst you potentially A, go and get another mortgage for your upsize um, or B, be renting a property yourself and be paying rental and a mortgage. Not ideal. No, that's right. Um, and, and while you're doing that, you would also change your insurance policy, wouldn't you? So you'd, you'd go from um, your, your standard building and contents insurance to include your landlord insurance so you are safeguarded in the event that yeah rent default or or tenant ruins the place or something like that so yeah again shop around get three or four quotes and then choose one Uh, i know terry shear is a common one that i've used in the past 10 years or so Um, they've been pretty good but there's a lot of others out there that you can compare to as well Um, so that's a really important one And, and the other thing i would take into account uh, would be the the six year rule. So Ooh, I was about to ask to you that you literally just took the words out of my mouth, John. I was going to ask really? you that one because I'm not a, I'm not oh. fully across it if I'm honest. Neither am I, but I'll have a go. Um, <laughs> no, the six year rule basically means uh, you have 
the opportunity to move out of your principal place of residence, still claim it as your principal place, as long as you're not claiming another property as your principal place. And you have six years until you have to move back in to that property um, to still claim the capital gains tax um, exemption. So uh, it's something where you need to talk to your accountant about because there are some fine points and Glenn and I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago on the main show. Um, there are some fine line points around that in respect to do you keep your furniture there? Do uh, Are you renting it out? How much you're renting it for? All those things come into play. So yeah, do your research in that s- space. Yeah, awesome. I actually literally just had that chat with my accountants of potentially, you know, buying my own and then having that six-year rule and I was a little bit confused how it works so I should probably go and listen to that episode you guys did because I can learn from you. So they're the key things Jed in order to turn your primary place of residence across to a rental property obviously uh, accountants are heavily involved in that process to help you uh, advise you on what the implications are and what you need to be across but property manager, accountant, landlord insurance they're probably the key takeaways. One more, and it's um, not not so much. It's more of an admin thing for your property manager to do, and I get this a lot. Um, people question: Do I pay the bills? Do I collect the rent? Am I am I the property manager myself, or am I going to pay someone to do it? If I'm paying a property manager, which I always do, by the way, um, my seven or eight percent or whatever their rate is, I'm getting them to do everything that they can do. So they're paying my bills. They're they're giving me a, an audited statement um, over a twelve month period. They're sending it to me monthly, telling me what's coming in, what's going out. They're organising potential repairs if anything needs to be done. Um, so yeah, I don't have a problem with them paying my council rates for me or or water rates or whatever it may be. Um, the only thing I may not get them to do is insurances because I like to go and haggle with three or four companies myself when that's due each year. But other than that, they're doing everything for me and that makes it a lot easier at tax time as well. Most definitely. Now, a question that we're going to, we could both go off on tangents on this one, so we'll try and keep it brief before we take a break. Gloria Alexander asks... Property gurus, can any of them be trusted? Broad question. Well, she's referring to you, Emily, is she? I am not a property guru. Surely not. Come on. I think she's talking about the ones who run the free events and then sell you into certain things. I think that's – the guru does have quotation marks around it. I wouldn't say I'm a property quotation guru. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, she, she hasn't elaborated on that at all? No, it's quite no. it's quite broad, so I think we interpret it as we will. Right, okay. Look, and I was only speaking to a, a financial planner about this yesterday. Um, he approached me and said, look, I ru- want to run an evening and provide some education and some drinks and a, and a feed and a mingle. And I said, okay, that's cool. Um, can you come and talk about property? And I said, yeah, look, I can, but I would like you to charge them. So there's a bit of... Um, pain involved and we know that yeah the ones in the room are there because they want to be there to to learn Um, and secondly there's no sales pitch at the end there's no sell it's just a simple network provide some education if they want a follow-up meeting after it then that's on them provide your business cards and whatever um, so, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting space. Um, and I, back in the day, was um, working for a company that 
used to do a lot of free events um, and it does get lots of bums in seats because of the word free. But uh, you, you do also get a lot of, I suppose, tire kickers. Um, from an advisory point of view, it's really important to do your own research to know uh, what, what your own strategy is and what you want to get out of the evening. So I would say if anyone's out there um, listening, wanting to, to further educate, I, I don't have a problem going along to those events, but I would just say uh, take one or two things away from them uh, from the night, fantastic, but have a look and stand back and, and say, well, uh, I need to make an informed decision across a number of companies before I decide who I'm going to go with. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, when you look at people in any industry that might be considered a guru, regardless of property, is number one, to do your research on multiple Um, And number two, to find someone that you actually resonate with and you actually want to do work with. I think that's really an underestimated uh, criteria when you're looking Mm. in that space is does, you know, does that the way that person operate and the way they hold themselves and the values they have actually align with who you are as well? Um, Because not everybody's the same. Otherwise, it'd be very boring. But I think um, the long short of it is, Gloria, to answer your question is do your research. Um like John said, take one or two things away from one of those events that you might attend, um, but don't necessarily make a decision in the moment at the event. There can be a lot of hype, I feel, at some of those you know free events and seminars and sign up with us today and you get X amount off the package or whatever it might be. Um, don't get caught up in that. If it's, if it's good enough, it'll be worth it afterwards as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and without ranting on about it, um, because you did tell me to keep it brief and I haven't, um, is... Uh, <laughs> The ability to um, see what they're actually trying to sell or wanting to sell, like you go to a car yard and the car salesman wants to sell any of those cars in the lot, right? They're not going to tell you to go and buy a car down the road. A bank does the same thing. They're not going to tell you to go to another lender. A real estate agent is wanting to sell those houses that are on that uh, or on their book at that one time. So... That's okay. That's just a part of the world that we operate in. Just understand what we're looking at selling and is it going to appeal to what I need? Most definitely. Awesome. Well, hopefully that has answered your question, Gloria, and to other people that that would be relevant to. We're going to take a very short break and answer probably two, maybe three further community questions. We'll be back in just a second. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Next question, John. Hope you're ready for this one. So Thomas Rickards has asked that he wanted a case study of someone going to a mortgage broker and the questions they should be asking of a broker, which actually is a great question to deep dive into. I often see on the community page, people are shopping around for a broker um, and want to know how to identify a good one. And there's quite a few key indicators that can help with this. And you and I both obviously work very closely with multiple brokers, given that we need finance funded for our clients that we buy for. I think just straight off the bat, number one would be understanding how many options they can provide for you. Because the benefit of going to a broker over a bank is that they have a panel of lenders and they're an independent person who can pick the best lender and lender product for your situation. So if you're not like a straightforward, you know, um, full-time employment, PayYG as they call it, um, with a very vanilla deal they call them, that's a bit of industry lingo Mm -hmm. for you there, a vanilla deal. If you're a little bit more complex and you need more choice, how many lenders do they have on their panel that they can select products from? That would be the first question I'd be asking. What do you reckon? That, yeah, I reckon that's that's a fantastic first question. The, the big one I like to see is you, you mentioned about the type of client. So am I self-employed? Have I got a number of properties? Am I a straightforward PAYG? Um, so understanding have they worked with those type of clients in the past and what they might prescribe for someone in my situation. So it's a, it's a relationship thing, but it's also understanding that the type of clientele. Um, to then fast forward to, I like the, the stomach feel. Uh, how do I feel working with this person long-term? Because I'm going to have that relation with them that I can trust them um, and to deliver what they what they set out to do in the first place in a desired time frame. There's a few things out of their control, which we'll talk about, but generally speaking, can I just comfortably pick up the phone and talk to them? Or are they hard to communicate with? Do they not like phone? Do they not respond when I, in a reasonable time frame? Those sort of things um, need to be high on the agenda, I think. Definitely. I think um, one of the most common feedbacks I get when people engage their own broker before they reach me, which is a lot of the time, it's usually like around communication, how you know efficient can they be um, and what channel of communication they use. I think uh, a lot of people who seek a broker are outsourcing the process because they're time poor, which usually means they might only be responsive through text during the day or an email, you know, they're not really good on the phone, um, just working through little things like that. And then, yeah, I think definitely like you mentioned, the gut feel of it. And also you're going to be exposing, I guess, your financial position to this person, um, which for many people, that's quite a daunting thing to 
explain to somebody because it's not something that we always talk about openly to friends. You know, a lot of people, money and income and expenses isn't really a dinner conversation with our closest friends. So yeah, revealing that to somebody can be quite personal for a lot of people. And you want to know that that's going to a trusted source who um, can treat that very professionally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I met with a client this morning actually and we were talking about this and the relationship they had with their broker and this is actually a common one in in the finance industry is um, I I started out working with the owner or the director of the company and now because the business has grown, I'm I'm now working with someone else. So it's a it's the goalpost change from a relationship point of view, um, and and uh, that person almost felt fit, uh, let down because they 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 were not not disregarded, but just um, farmed off in their words to someone else in the business. Now that person may have been able to be as just as capable as the initial person that they had doing the the loan for them but it was just that feeling that they got which uh, which didn't come across well so just just be wary of that as well who are we dealing with how long has the business been around um, am I going to be dealing with you direct or am I going to have communications with others like there's there's a whole trail of um, of work to be done in the back end so it's it's the expectations that you may not be just working with that one person Yeah, that's a very, very good point. As businesses expand, that may change over time. So very valid point. Alrighty. I think that that's sufficient uh, for Thomas's question. Thank you, Thomas, for submitting that one. Um, We'll just do one brief one in closing. There's quite a list here. We might have to do a few Q&A episodes, John, because um, there's quite a list of questions. This is a great one. Pollyanna Go, she asks, my husband and I have been renting for the past three years, but we are now in the position to buy. We really actually like our rental property and we'd like to buy it. How do we approach the landlord about it? And how do we determine what is a fair price? Now, I feel like we've covered something very specific. It would have been a while back. I think we recorded it in 2020, but... I do actually see this one pop up on the community page a, a little bit. I've chimed in on a few, but it's a, you know what? I reckon buying your rental property is such a cool thing because you already know all the quirks of the home and you've, you've lived in it. You don't have to move, no, no moving costs. Um, yeah. And you can just keep your lifestyle going, but you're actually starting to own it. And that rental money, instead of going to Mr. or Mrs. Landlord, is going off to paying mm. the home that you're in. How great's that? How great is that? Yes. Now, I want to tell a story mm-hmm. which um, was an interesting one and it uh, relates to this exactly. I've got a client in Melbourne and they were living in a nice suburb and they were they were renting this townhouse and they liked the area, they they liked the townhouse and they they rang me and said, look, John, we want to buy this townhouse. How should we go about it? So in my wisdom, I um, found the contact details for the owner <laughs> through sneaky, sneaky. Um, yeah, RP Data, which, um, which had the details there. So it wasn't anything illegal or anything. So yeah, my client reached out to the, to the owner and the owner was actually taken aback by it and they oh. didn't like them uh, communicating directly with them. So oh. they went and told the agent and um, fast forward they got the sale. They actually bought it, but mm-hmm. 
the agent and the landlord were, were not very happy that the tenant went directly to the landlord. So, Was it with a, a phone number or was it just like a Facebook store? Because usually it's just the, na- the name on it, right? Yeah, that's right. So he communicated via LinkedIn. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so it's a really, it's a really common one. As you said, you've lived in it. So you actually know the, uh, the ins and outs of the property, don't you? What works, what's not working, um, why they like it, the location, etc. So you've, you've almost done your apprenticeship before you started work. So that, that's the analogy. Um, how can you go about buying this thing? Well, if, uh, if you, you want to do it properly, you'd go to the rental management and say, look, I want to buy this property. Can you put it to the vendor um, or the, the owner to, to see if they're interested in, in basically selling it to me? Um, or there's a, a rent to buy option as well, which you can negotiate um, that, that works quite well. And that, in that instance, you would, if the, the landlord was open to it, you would set a price or an agreed price and you would maybe rent it for a, a couple of years with the view to take over in a few years' time once you've saved up enough of a, of a deposit if you haven't already got a deposit yourself. So it's a really cool way for, to lock in a price and secure a property. Definitely. Also, just one added tip when you are emailing the managing agent like the rental manager, one thing to keep in mind, well, this is where my business brain goes to, is they have certain KPIs to hit on how many rental properties they keep under their management. So a sale to them, and I have I've been in offices and I've heard of this, the competition between the sales team and the rental departments. Um, if you can find an email address for the sales team, I would probably CC them in. If, if that office does have a sales team. It yep. would be a good strategy because the sales agent 100% want to be involved in a sale and it could be a good little weapon have sleep, and it can't hurt. You can just say, oh, I wasn't too sure who to message, but I just thought I'd copy you in as well regarding a possible sale of this, you know, off market. And there you go. So, yeah. yeah. It, I think um, the, the question was also asked about how much do I pay for it too, isn't, mm. wasn't it? So, yeah. Just obviously looking at comparable sales like for like in the area, um, realestate.com, a domain does have uh, a lot of that data from um, the even the weekly results of auctions you can look at. RP data will have comparable sales. So um, there's a, that your broker should be able to um, get a lot of those comparable sales to just to get a feel for uh, what, what you should be paying for it. Most definitely. Well, a big shout out and thank you to Jed, Pollyanna, Thomas, and who else do we have? Oh, Gloria. Thank you to the four of you for submitting questions. Um, And anyone who's listening about thinking of submitting them, please do. You can put them in the Facebook group and tag John and I, or you can email the podcast directly. It'll be in the show notes where to reach us. But yeah, we would definitely love to hear from you. We love doing Q&A. It gives good variety and it helps answer some of the questions that people want to know about. Yeah, and thanks to Jess for compiling them. That's um, that's oh, one thing yeah. that you or I don't have to do, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's sometimes hard to find them all unless we're tagged. So, yes, thank you, Jess, for compiling them. That saved us a lot yep. of time today. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for writing in. Awesome. Well, we'll catch you guys next week. Until then, stay safe. Okay, bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. 
Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And I've created the Buying Coach, built from my experience as a buyer's advocate to demystify the confusion around purchasing property, particularly for first home buyers. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.